0: Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for listening. Got a great lineup in store talking Giannis, talking Luca, talking MVP predictions. Got a lot we want to talk about. Got a co host as well. Very excited. Very excited for you guys to listen. Hope you enjoy. But first, the intro. Let's go. All right, We got a good lineup for today's podcast. Uh, got, got my first ever co host. No, no, we had a co host a few weeks ago, but it doesn't really count because he's an idiot. But for today's podcast, we got NMZ Hoops. You can follow him on Twitter or Instagram or subscribe on his uh, on his YouTube as well. We got it, we got a good lineup today. Uh, to, to start out, I want to talk about Harden. Harden, it's been in the news the last two to three weeks. Where the hell he's going to end up, we don't know. No one knows. It, it's just a big question mark. NFL or NBA free agency. Really, this whole month has surrounded what Harden's going to do. So that's pretty much all we have to talk about, to be honest, if we're just talking about off-season stuff. But the question is, where is he going to end up? That's what we want to talk about. Do you have any thoughts on that? Where, where do you think Harden will actually end up at the end of the season, if he ends up going anywhere?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, Giannis's, uh supermax kind of uh, getting settled has now kind of opened the door. Uh, for some of these other franchises to pursue, you know, an MVP level player. I think Harden's the only one available. And yes, he comes with a lot of baggage. Um, I'm looking at Miami and Philadelphia. I think they're, you know, right now they're kind of waiting. Both teams are going to try to get them for, um, you know, they don't want to give up equal compensation. You know, both those teams have really good young players, you know, hero obviously for Miami or Ben Simmons for Philadelphia would have to be kind of the center of that trade package. And both teams, you know, understandably, are reluctant to give those players up. But I think Houston's going to wait it out. They're going to try to see if um, Harden can either, A, you know kind of get back in the fold of things and uh, get up to speed with his new teammates, see if he likes it, or B, um, raise his trade value with his play. Obviously, he played for the first time the other day, and I think he's set to play again tomorrow. So we'll see how that goes. But for me, I'm looking at Miami and Philadelphia. I don't think Houston really loves the assets Brooklyn has to offer.
0: Yeah, yeah um Brooklyn obviously I don't think they're not going to give up Katie or Kyrie so really that's sort of out of the question Miami and Philly that's where Harden wants to end up but if I was the Rockets let's be honest like I would do what's best for the team they're going to trade him where Harden wants to go but if I the smart move for the Rockets will just get as many assets back as possible but if they go Philly and if Philly's willing to give up Ben Simmons that might be the best idea for the rockets i think because that's ben simmons obviously the all-star already i'm sure they can get picks out of philly as well and it's a good move for both sides miami would obviously worry i don't know if they're going to give up harrow they said that he's untouchable and this and that but i don't know that'd be a huge move for miami who already proved they can make it to the finals one year out of however many who knows if it was a fluke or not but it I think Philly might be the best moves for the Rockets and for Harden to be honest. I, I don't, I think Philly might be the right move.
1: Yeah. So with that, you know, just to play devil's advocate here <clears throat> for the heat. Um, we look back to last year, right. And Paul George is coming off in, you know, a season where he played MVP level basketball. Um, and I would personally, I think SGA is a more promising young player than Tyler hero, but many people didn't have a problem at the time with, Uh, the deal that sent SGA to Oklahoma City for Paul George. It was looked at as, you know, a move you had to make. And I understand Kawhi Leonard was involved in that. But for the Heat, um, I think they understand that Jimmy Butler at age 31 has – he has not the largest window. You know, you can't sit here and wait uh, for Tyler Hero potentially to develop in five to seven years. And by then, you know, you've got Jimmy Butler on his last legs. So this move would only be made if the Heat, say – there's not another player in the 2021 class we feel we could team up with Butler. And Harden might be our best shot. Yeah, he's not a great culture fit, but just getting that talent on the board is the most important thing. And I think if Miami pursues Harden, that's what's ultimately <clears throat> going to get Philly uh, to kind of take this more seriously and put Ben Simmons on the table. But I, I do believe Philly's going to wait it out to see how Doc Rivers. Um, can fit both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid within the framework of his system. I think before they ever make a move, they're going to test it out.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a waiting game at this point. The teams will wait till the end of the season. I would not be surprised if nothing happens this season, goes into the next offseason and just things start, you know, go, going in hand to hand. I'm not sure what the heat I feel like it'll go into about halfway through the season. The Heat will see how they're doing. If they're uh, top two or three seed in the East, they might not go all in on the table. But if they're a five, six seed, somehow they fall in the East because they did it last year. They they weren't a prominent team in the East. No one thought they were going to make the finals until the bubble, until they started going off. But I would not be surprised if they just wait the whole season. And then if their record doesn't turn out, they might throw every, everything on the table and go for Harden. I would not be surprised if that happens.
1: Yeah, usually a quarter, of the, a quarter of the season in, you kind of have a good feel for where a team's going to be. Um, obviously, the Heat last year as a five seed, I believe, uh, they were a bit of a surprise. And some people think it was a bit fluky because, you know, the bubble produced some weird results. Um, but I think the Heat, I, I think they know better than anyone else. I think when they put their group out on the floor, um, they're going to be able to assess whether they have enough or not uh, to make a run with the group they have. And if they feel like they need to make a move, I'm sure they will. Um, But yeah, I think it's who who puts their assets up first. I think that's what it's going to come down to. But then there's also um, the random element, you know, when Kawhi Leonard said he wanted out of San Antonio, uh, the teams he listed, Toronto wasn't on there. Toronto made a last minute effort to get him and that uh, ended up going down. And there's one other recent trade, it's blanking on me right now, but something along those lines and, you know, uh, boom, gets traded last-minute effort so sometimes it's that team a sneaky team you don't see coming in maybe the Raptors you know who need like an isolation score like that maybe they get involved trying to compete with their uh, the nucleus they have right now that's getting a little bit older
0: when it comes to fit with Harden I I think the Raptors are actually one of the best fits in the NBA for Harden they got Pascal if they keep him and Harden that that's a good team right there I don't know if anyone in the league could stop that duo. There's a few, maybe a handful of teams that could actually defensively stop that duo because he, he plays best when he has prominent big men. Um, we, he's proven with guards. Chris Paul kind of worked, didn't really. They could have been in the finals if you know injuries didn't happen as well. But with guards, I'm not sure if Harden can work as well as he could with prominent big men like Pascal. He's not, I wouldn't say a natural big man, but he he's bigger. So it'd be a great fit in Toronto with Harden. Philly, I just feel like Philly right now is leading the pack. I don't know if anyone else has the assets they have to offer for Houston. It's just up to them if they actually want to offer them.
1: Yeah, yeah I agree with that. I think Philly Philly's for sure number one. And I think Philly knows that, so that's why they're not rushing this decision on their end. They're, they're perfectly fine with seeing if their two cornerstones can maybe um, you know fix things and get back. Because there was a year, I believe it was their first season together, they were actually producing pretty good numbers on the court. And it's kind of slowed since then um obviously you know in the nba three-point shooting has became so prominent and ben simmons kind of inability to shoot the ball has limited them in some you know in some capacity but um most importantly and the other star i was mentioning earlier was paul george nobody saw the oklahoma city thunder coming in and grabbing onto him it was you know out of nowhere so uh with james harden if one of those random teams don't you know come in and make an offer maybe the raptors maybe the nuggets yeah i think it's going to come down to miami and philly Uh, There's like we said, it's going to be a wait and see game, but um, ultimately Daryl Morey has such, you know, I don't know if there's a better word for it, but maybe infatuation with James Harden. Um, He wrote a huge, uh, you know, in that one page letter he wrote when he left Houston, there was a section specifically for James Harden, who he claims has changed his life. So I think if Daryl Morey sees that, Hey, this group isn't, you know, what we think it's going to be, he's uh you know, he's known as a very aggressive GM. I'm sure he'll put his assets forward. And they have Simmons, they have Thibault, they have Tyrese Maxi, so they have a lot of pieces uh, they can throw in to make, you know, financially make it work and maybe entice Houston with some younger assets. And I'm pretty sure they have all their draft picks going forward. So Philly is definitely leading the pack. I agree.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, another sort of sleeper team for Harden. He he threw their name out there. No one really talked about it when he said. Uh, he sort of expanded his reach of who, who he won. I think you might know. I'm talking. About. I'm talking about the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks. They have. It's kind of the assets to do this I don't know if they want to but Giannis they don't have to worry about him going anywhere they want they want to keep him happy they want to make sure within the next two or three years he's not going to randomly request a trade if they got Harden if they threw Middleton and some picks in for Harden somehow just snuck up last second does that just increase Giannis's championship odds within the last four or five next four or five seasons I, I don't know I think it's possible I don't know if it's going to happen Philly and the Heat are obviously the leading the pack, but the Bucs could sneak in there later in the next few seasons. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I'm here for that. I know their beef is well documented, but it's funny. I think they both kind of need each other. I think Harden needs that superstar that's, you know, going to play both ends of the court, going to dominate on the interior, attract a lot of attention. And I think Giannis needs, you know, a guy that you can just throw the ball the ball to late in games or, you know, in tight situations where playoff basketball becomes more of a half court setting and say just create some offense for us. I think they both need each other. Um, I don't know if that deal goes down, like you said, because Milwaukee put a lot of their draft pick forward to even get Drew Holiday. Um, Is Chris Middleton um, and a couple, you know, Dante DiVincenzo and maybe another role player enough? I don't know. Um, But knowing that Houston does have some guys in their mid, uh, like early 30s, like John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Chris Middleton kind of does fit in there in Houston because Houston, an important kind of piece in all that is Houston doesn't own their draft capital going forward. Oklahoma City has a a lot of their draft picks going forward. And knowing that they don't have any, you know, there's no incentive for them to tank. So they might make a move that keeps them somewhat relevant. So Chris Middleton's not a bad get for a team uh, that could just, it's a plug in and play, you know, obviously it's not James Harden, but it's something. And for, you know, Milwaukee at that point, they'd be um, probably the most, you know, serious threat to the Lakers in the NBA if they make that move, in my opinion.
0: If somehow this is so rare, I don't think there's no way. And how this is going to happen. But if the Bucks are not looking great halfway through the season before the trade deadline, if they're a four or five seed, I'm going all in on Harden. I'm giving everyone up but Giannis. Every pick, every player they got right now, doesn't matter who it is, I'm going all in. They're not, it's not going to happen. There's still going to be a one or two seed in the East. But if somehow this happens, it's possible. I don't know if it will, but this moves on to the next segment. We want to talk about Giannis's championship odds in Milwaukee while under contract with Milwaukee the next five years. They obviously signed him to Supermax, uh, biggest contract in NBA history. He's worth it. But is this enough with the players they have right now, where they're going forward? It's Milwaukee, a small market. Is this enough to bring a championship back to Milwaukee?
1: Yeah, you know, that's funny because I think the biggest thing in all this is still Giannis. I think it's his development that will ultimately dictate where, where this team goes in the end. Um, I've always been a believer that for Giannis to, you know, he's already as good as it's going to get in this league, but for him to take that next step, especially in playoff basketball, he's going to need to develop somewhat of a back to the basket game, a face up game, uh, extend his range a little bit, uh, because we know that, you know, the ball the Milwaukee Bucks play is dominant in the regular season. They lead the league in pace. They get up and down the court. They play the best defense in the NBA, at least statistically speaking, so they dominate teams. You know, their their average margin of victory is insane. They're, you know, they're blowing teams out. But come playoff time when you can scout and kind of prepare for a team over the course of a seven game series, Giannis has been slowed a little bit. And when that happens, you know, he doesn't have that second running mate that you know, Chris Middleton is an all-star and he has game. And I think the pick of, of Drew Holiday is big too on both ends of the court. He's an upgrade over Eric Blood to me. But I still think it's gonna boil down to does Giannis have a face up game, a back to the basket game, or you know, somewhat of a jump shot, knock down his free throws too, uh, to get the Bucks through, at least through the Eastern Conference, if they're gonna really get to the NBA Finals and give themselves a shot.
0: I feel like the offseason was so short. We we saw what the Bucs could do in the playoffs literally 70 days ago when the playoffs ended. Or give or take more. But I I don't know if they may they're gonna make a jump from now to until this playoffs, obviously things change. We don't know what's going to happen, but I don't know if the jump's going to be that big for Giannis, if he's going to develop all those things so quickly, but I would say his greatest chance will be not this year, but next season, the season after, and the season after those, if he can develop his game within those three seasons, that could be his Jordan run. That could be anything, but I just don't think he has a Pippen. I don't think he has another co star to run with him. That's that good. Chris Middleton's an all-star, but also they're just a great team. They, they remind me of the 2015 Warriors. They can win regular season games on a consistent basis, but playoff basketball is just different. I, I don't know if that team is built for the big moments. I don't know if they have enough uh, championship-caliber players on that team who's gotten a ring, who knows what it takes, who can just lead that team and will them to a ring. But Giannis, I, I just don't know if he – he's obviously – not the biggest problem there he, he he's the biggest asset they have he's, he's the one leading them to the future we know but Budenholzer I noticed in the playoffs was playing Giannis like 30 minutes in a playoff series that they lost like I, I, I really don't understand I know he's leading the team to a one seed in the east year in and year out but if it doesn't work out in the playoffs why keep him why keep the coach in hand they have now with when they have the best player in the league or for the next 10 years
1: yeah, <clears throat> yeah, you just beat me to it. I was just going to say, you know, Bud, ever since his Atlanta days, um, I feel like Bud's mastered regular season ball. He won 60 games with that Hawks squad that had no superstar. Here he is now, back-to-back years with the league's best record. Um, but, you know, when they run into, you know, elite talent come regular season, I mean, come pl- postseason, um, they haven't been able to adjust for whatever reason. You know, that 60-win Hawks team was playing a short-handed Cavs team, and they were swept. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, they were never able to recapture that magic. Here he is in Milwaukee with, you know, uh, a significantly better roster in terms of talent. But, for, you know, they run into teams that do, you know, the same strategy. They lost to the same strategy twice. You know, the Heat might have mixed it up a little bit more with Zone. But Toronto and Miami essentially walled off Giannis and said, can anyone, on, can anyone else on this team beat me? It's re- really what it came down to. And for the Bucs, it just didn't happen. I mean, you can defend, you can do all these things. But in the end, you've got to put the ball in the basket. And when you neutralize Giannis, that entire system falls apart. You know, he, they have guys spaced out around him, relying on his driving light, you know, his driving ability, his gravity. He creates everything. So if you slow down, you know, the head of the snake, that Bucks team really falls apart quickly.
0: We see this year in and year out with great teams in the regular season. People, players only playing three quarters, not getting the full minutes. That that works in the regular season when you're blowing teams out. Teams aren't taking every single game as serious. Not everyone's playing every single game, and uh, I feel like, like you said, with that Hawks team with Budenholzer, he knows how to get regular season wins, and he understands uh, minutes. He understands everyone you don't want to drain their players early, but in playoff time, you can't be playing your best player, the two-time MVP, 30 minutes a game. You can't be putting Chris Middleton in only 28 minutes in a playoff series. It, it just doesn't work. He, uh, I think he might've learned. I hope to God they learned because I, I root for the Bucs. I want them to do good in the East, but I'm just, you You got to play your star players in the playoffs. You got to play them nearly every minute of the game, especially in the later rounds. And if that happens, if for some reason, Giannis doesn't get better and they still don't win games this season. They got to make a move within the next two or three years to somehow get another star to come here. I know Drew Holiday was a good pickup this season, but I'm just hoping it's enough.
1: Yeah, I think the Bucs understand this. I think they're going to, they're going to, for sure, if this nucleus they have right now doesn't get it done, there's going to be moves made. I know management's going to be aggressive and I'm sure in that meeting with Giannis that solidified um, you know, that got him to sign that Supermax, that was probably discussed. You know, Giannis is like, if we don't get it done, you know, what's the future going to look like? And they're, they were, they probably told him we'll do anything you need um, to get you a championship level roster. And that might, you know, as crazy as it sounds, it might mean moving on from a coach that's winning 60 plus games in the regular season. And it's happened before. I mean, Dwayne Casey was the number one seed with the Toronto Raptors coach of the year, in fact, and he got fired because in the postseason he came up short. Um, against, you know, the cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference. So I wouldn't put it past the Bucks to first change the head coach and then make some, you know, shuffle some moves on the roster. But I do like some of the quiet additions they made on their bench. I like the pickup of uh, DJ Augustine. You know, that's a solid backup point guard for them to have. I think Bryn Forbes is another knockdown shooter. So I like that. And I think Bobby Portis could, you know, develop into a pretty good stretch five for them. So they added some, you know, good shooting and depth to that second unit. So... I think they're going to be right there at the the top of the conference come regular season. But again, it's always going to be about the playoffs with this team because they've already proven they can be the best team in the conference.
0: And who knows if it was a normal season, I'm not going to put an asterisk next to the, what happened in the playoffs, but who knows if it wasn't the bubble, if it wasn't everything, they could have just went right in the playoffs and won it all. Who knows? But, um, I don't know if you saw this today, just getting sidetracked a little bit, but uh, Giannis showing in their meeting that they actually had showing them text of him being recruited from other players. I found that so interesting.
1: Yeah, that's definitely, I think he was flexing his loyalty in a way, like letting them know like, yeah, I got options, but I'm going to be here. And I think that's who he is at his core. You know, I think Giannis grew up, you know, in Greece, impoverished and, you know, having money wasn't a, wasn't available to him. You know, he wasn't, I know there was a weird citizenship law in Greece at the time that prevented him and his family members from becoming citizens right away so work was tough for them to find so the you know the contracts obviously great but Milwaukee you know people are saying why doesn't a superstar like Giannis want to go to a big market Milwaukee's bigger than anywhere he's ever been before you know to him that's already you know it's amazing for him there and the city loves him his teammates love him you know he's a hard worker I think he really does love Milwaukee but, you know, he honestly, and I think it's obvious, too, that he wants to win. That's what matters the most. Right now, the Bucks have a really good team. They're a well-run organization. I don't think him signing there is just, you know, some, oh, it's a small market guy and he's going to stay here. It's because it's a well-run organization. I think that's what it really came down to. Um, and I think if Giannis wins a title in Milwaukee, he'll forever go down as probably the greatest Buck of all time. But, you know, there's a lot of ifs that come with that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I I I think he'll stay his whole career in Milwaukee. There's I don't think there's any chance, and it, it's smart for him. It makes sense. He got the biggest contract in NBA history. If he goes somewhere else, he doesn't get that contract. And honestly, two hundred twenty-eight million dollars. I, I don't care if I lose every single season for for now on. I'm taking that contract any any day of the week. But um, yeah, I found that interesting. Him flexing his loyalty. Him showing them the text, literally saying, "There's players. I I want to know the text." And literally showing the front office saying, hey, I could go there. And I, I just find that so interesting. But, um, yeah, I hope they make it. To move on uh, from this segment, I, I, I want to start something here for the, for this podcast going forward. Going to try to get it consistent as well. Uh, a hot take of the day. And I, I'm going to get some flack for this. I'm going to get some hate. It's very obvious what I'm about to say as a Knicks fan. And if you follow me, I've said it before. And I get bashed every single time I do, but I'm going to say it on the podcast, Knicks making the playoffs. Yes. This is dumb. Yes. We just barely beat the Cavs in a preseason game playing our starters, most of the game, but I think there's a chance. I'm going to say it every offseason for the rest of my life. Um, if you have any hot takes, you just want to throw out there, go ahead, let it go. Just let it all out.
1: Yeah, I think I got some shit for this one last time. I think you made a video on it, but I think the Portland Trailblazers will make the Western Conference Finals. I think they have uh, the right pieces in place. For me, it's a toss-up between them and the Mads. I actually don't think the Clippers are going to be competing for that spot again, um, even though they're everybody's favorite. And I think the Nuggets, um, I think they losing Jeremy Grant and Torrey Craig hasn't been mentioned enough for that team. I I think they're going to lack the necessary wing defenders they'll need come postseason time. So I like Portland. Um, they have a pretty deep team now. Robert Covington, Gary Trent, uh, you know, obviously Melo's back, um, the addition of Ennis Cantor. I like the moves they made. I think the continuity and the chemistry of that team uh, will help Portland make a deep run. And the only reason I don't have them as a lock is because I think the Mavs are right there with them. Those two teams have a lot of offensive firepower. So the Blazers making the conference finals is my bold take.
0: I actually think the Blazers making the conference finals might have a higher chance than the Mavs make at the conference finals, which most people would actually disagree with that, with two people thinking that's just rare. Because um, who did the Mavs add this offseason? Did they add anyone? Did they get vastly they swapped, better?
1: They swapped uh Seth Curry for Josh Richardson. That was their most notable move this offseason.
0: Which I I don't even know if that's a win. Like Seth Curry is a knockdown shooter every time he's in the game. But um, I just don't think they got so much better from this season to last. I know Luka's gonna come out and drop MVP numbers. I just don't think. And Kristaps is hurt, right? I don't know if he'll be back um, soon enough to be a high enough seed to make it far, but it'll be interesting. The trailblazers, I think they're, they're a good team. They're a solid team. They proved that in the bubble. They can make it far. They, they won the play-in game, the play-in tournament, but um, it's just going to be fun to watch. And I, I'm excited for it. the regular season starts in what uh, six days. It's going to be interesting. Uh, th- th- those weren't the hottest takes. They could have been a lot worse which uh, it's good for day one. And now to move on, last segment, last thing we're going to talk about. Is Luca a lock for MVP? I'll let you go.
1: Yeah, so I was looking at, you know, last year's MVP board. Luca came in fourth, right? And I'm looking at the top three candidates this year. Giannis, as our number one candidate, you know, it's, it's rare, it's very rare. You know, no one's done it since Larry Bird for a player to win three consecutive MVPs, you know, LeBron's won back-to-back twice. And on that third season, the voter fatigue kind of set in, I believe Steve Nash did it. Tim Duncan did it. So it's the back-to-back has been done. And Giannis has done that, but for Giannis to get that third straight MVP, he'd have to do, you know, he'd have to do something so crazy that the voters would have to give it to him. So I think Giannis kind of knocked off the board. I don't know about LeBron and at an age 36, I believe he's turning the, at the end of this month, 18th season. I don't know if he's going to take the regular season, Serious enough to really compete for you know the MVP award, and then obviously as we you know alluded to earlier, James Harden situation. I don't know if he's going to have you know I don't even know where he's going to be playing for me to put him in the MVP conversation. So those three candidates out the way, um, and KD and Steph coming off injury, you know they're they're uh, they're potentially you know sleeper picks, but I would put Luca ahead of all five of those candidates, and those are the five guys that are usually in the running. AD and LeBron kind of take away from each other's greatness, so. I don't see anyone challenging Luca because of all the things I just mentioned.
0: What do you think? I think Luca's obviously, I think he's number one. He has the uh, highest percentage to win this, but I don't know. LeBron's going to do what he does every single season. Literally the same exact stats, seven or 27, probably around 10, 10 assists and around eight, eight rebounds, which isn't enough to win MVP. He's done it every single year of his career. Um, He's going to push the narrative, probably push the narrative to give it to AD. He's going to try. Yeah, I, I just feel like the Lakers will try to build a narrative around AD winning the uh, MVP. But Luka, I think it's not a lock, but he has everything going for him. All, all the other players have the reasons you just named Harden, don't know where he's going to end up. Steph and KD coming off injury. Uh, I have Steph at number two. I'm a Steph guy, but just seeing him last night, yeah, it's a preseason game. He looks like he can go off for 30 any night. It just, I just don't think they're going to finish high enough seed. The last player to not play on a good team to win MVP was Russell Westbrook, and he averaged a triple-double for the first time since Oscar Robinson. So I just don't know if Steph's going to put up those high enough numbers. Giannis could do it. He I have him three. cause j- Just because he's going to do what he's done the last two seasons. They don't want to give it to him again, because they, they got tired of giving it to LeBron when he got it. But if he's if they're the one seed in the East, if all the reasons you just said are true, we can't give it to those players and Luca for some reason underwhelms, they're like an eight seed or nine seed. You got to give it to Giannis. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he three-peats, but Luca is definitely, I have him number one on my board.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think Luca is a, you know, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't call it a lock. I agree. You know, there's always health and things like that. The biggest thing though is with Chris Stapps missing time and Luca being a nightly triple on, you know, nightly triple double watch. Um, the narrative, you know, narratives always control the MVP race, and I think it's set up well for him. I think if he puts up, you know, his thirty-point triple-double and he keeps the Mavs afloat, I think a top-four seed in the West without Porzingis is very impressive. And if he does that, it should be his to win. Um, you know, all the guys we just mentioned are always going to be in the race. You know, based off of pure statistics and where they're at in the standings. Um, I think a sleeper might be Nikola Jokic if he can get the Nuggets to a one or two seed. Uh, the Nuggets are a good regular-season team. Jokic might need you know get those stats up just a little bit to get the voters to you know convinced to give him you know serious consideration for the award Uh, maybe Jason Tatum with Kemba Walker out and Gordon Hayward leaving so I think those young guys that are going to put up the numbers are going to be in the discussion Um, but yeah it does a lot of the time it does come down to where your team's at in the standings Um, Russell Westbrook I think is the only MVP in the last 30 years um, to not be you know a part of a one or two seed so it's definitely not easy to win the MVP on a middle of the pack team. So winning, stats, and then the narratives, you know, kind of falling in your favor are the three things that really need to go your way.
0: Yeah, for sure. Another, I would say, quote, sleeper, but I, I just don't think he's a sleeper is if the Trailblazers are as good as we say we think they are, dame. Cause he's gonna come out average roughly 30 points a game, gonna be up there high point. If he can get those stats well enough where they just look pretty. And then they, the trailblazers are good enough. I would say Dame's a good sleeper. He, um, he's all I, like every year, like halfway through the season when he's dropping random 60 point bombs, we're like Dame for MVP, just randomly in the back of our head, we're thinking Dame, but we're not going to give it to him. So I think it's his time. If he were to win it, it'd be this season, but Luca, he's going to have the narrative. He's going to have the stats. He's going to have everything. We're just not sure if the Mavericks will be good enough. And within the last four or five seasons since Russell Westbrook started doing it every single night, a triple-double is not as meaningful. It's still very impressive averaging it. But if he's averaging a triple-double and they're a top-four seed in the West, yeah, Luka. But if if he's averaging a triple-double and barely making the playoffs, we got to look elsewhere. So I think Luka is still number one on my board. I'm not sure. I think i got Luka, Steph, Giannis, Dame. That's my top four. Yeah, I'm going to go with that.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty solid list. I, I actually agree with most of that list. Um, I I feel like LeBron might get one more MVP before he calls it, you know, calls it quits. But uh, I'm not sure if it's this season, just because you know they've had that short break, only 70 days from now and then. And maybe uh, maybe LeBron kind of takes a backseat and lets AD kind of take over. So the two guys on the Lakers are always going to be kind of in the discussion, but um, they take away from each other's greatness in terms of the MVP voting, um, not on the court obviously, but. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I think I'd go Luka as my top candidate, Steph Curry within my top three, um, maybe one of the two Lakers, whoever's kind of, you know, leading the way in this regular season. And I don't know, I think Nikola Jokic probably gets a top five finish, but I don't see him winning the award. Just they're not even on primetime or, you know, they don't have enough televised games for him to really get that recognition, I feel like.
0: Yeah, for sure. And as I said about the late, I, I feel like about the lakers i feel like after last season we saw how much they were pushing the lebron narrative the last month uh, especially with the bubble and everything they were really pushing that they were trying to get lebron another mvp but and i could see them doing that with ad this year just lebron has a lot of say lebron can almost force a thing like that and if it's so tight if ad needs a narrative anthony davis could possibly win it and um yeah, that's pretty much it. That, that's all we have on the list for today. It's it, it's longer than the usual podcast. I, I think we, we did good. It was good having you on. Uh, hopefully, we can keep this going. Uh, you can be a consistent co-host. We can start our own podcast. We can do this and that. But if you made it to the end, thank you for listening. Um, that's it for today. Thank you. See ya. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening. For the next podcast, follow us on Twitter at Hutch Show for announcements. We will get this going on a consistent basis probably every other day, if not every day, a new podcast. We're excited. Hope you tune in. Follow us at Hud Show. Thank you for listening. We're out. Peace.